Welcome to the Youth Ministry Misfits podcast. We are for the misfits, those who don't fit in at school, those who don't fit in at church, those who feel they don't fit in anywhere. We are misfits, we are called to be misfits, and we are called to be for the misfits. Welcome to episode six of the Youth Ministry Misfits podcast. Uh, Last week I spoke with my good friend Ben Smith about um, kind of a relational approach to ministry and um, not just a relational approach, but actually looking at the essence of what youth ministry is all about. Um, And he argued and I agreed with him that the essence is about relationship and kind of the that the greatest commandment that Jesus taught us is that you know the essence of life is about loving God and loving others. Uh, but that conversation got me thinking about um, the deeper conversation about youth ministry, and that conversation really is what is youth ministry? Uh, because if we don't know what it is, and if we don't know why we're doing it then we, we might be talking different languages if uh, we're having conversations about how best to do youth ministry and how best to do youth ministry with the misfits. Um, so as I think I've said on this podcast before, I'm actually doing my PhD in uh, youth ministry and youth work. So my role is um, at Table College is I'm the head of youth work. Uh, so I actually teach people about how to, to work with young people in a professional sense, not in a Uh, church context. And so my passion is to pass on some of that, um, we'll kind of share some of that that wisdom, that research that has come out of professional youth work practice and professional youth work research and kind of share it with people who are doing work with young people in the churches. Because as far as I'm aware, there's not as much of that, um, which I've discovered in my process of researching for my PhD. Because the first phase of researching for a PhD um, is a literature review, which means to look into what has already been said on this topic um, so that you can find the gaps. And in that gap, that's where you do the research. So you're not researching what's already been done. Um, And what I'm finding so far as the gap is professional youth work, or sorry, professional research among young people about best practices of youth ministry. And one of the things that I've been discovering is the same issue is as um, as I look into uh, different models of, of practice and what is best practice and how do we know that, it all comes down to the question of, well, the yardstick for measuring best practice is built upon the motivation and the reason and the goal and purpose of that youth ministry. Um So I thought I'd just have a bit of a discussion about some of the different motivations that some people have for youth ministry, Um, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. So um, one author that I read read about is a a Catholic author by the name of Canalis. Um, uh, They kind of did a research project Um, well, maybe not a research project, more of a conceptual discussion about um, nine different models of um, youth ministry, well, types of youth ministries um, across denominations. So it seems that the research they did was based on what they read of other people's work. 
So the first one is called the friendship model. And in this model, it's kind of something similar to what um, Ben and I were talking about, that the priority here is actually about building friendships. Um, And it's kind of believed that through these friendships, you know, that um, people will find meaning, people will find a sense of belonging, they'll find, you know, more than that, I would hope. And kind of one of the things that that Ben and I were talking about is, you know, this idea of um, that through our friendships with people, people can either see Jesus for who he is or see a false representation of Jesus in the sense that um, through our modeling, people kind of, how am I trying to put what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is often when people look at the church, they imagine, is that what Jesus is like? Because when you look to what someone is teaching, you look to the actions of their followers. So if we lead by example of um, prioritizing relationships and um, healthy friendships, then we kind of are teaching that, well, you know, Jesus is not your enemy. He's your friend. Um, and um, it also is about you know, fostering a, a sense of safety in for, for young people in a sense of safe relationships. Um, I mean, I, I guess, you know, um, sometimes that's a hard thing to measure is how do you know um, how healthy or safe a friendship is? How do you measure that in a youth group? Um, and um, how do you make sure that clicks aren't going to happen where some people have friendships and some people don't? Um, so that's model one, the um, the friendship model. Then the second model is the spiritual awareness model. Um, this model um, kind of looks at um, helping young people to discover a sense of the sacred. Um, so it's it's about their own self-awareness, their personal discovery, but also awareness of, of who God is and what God is like. Um, and um, this is kind of a, a bit of a culture that we have at table of this sense of, of the sacred, um, that there are sacred aspects that are lo- to our lives that aren't necessarily, um, you know, uh, things we might have traditionally thought of as spiritual. Um, we have a subject called Exploring Practices for Spiritual Formation. And the students tell me about some of the practices that, that they discover that nurture their sense of spirit their spirituality, whether that's um, for the Christian students, their relationship with God, and for the students who aren't Christian, their inner spirituality, their their relationship with them, with their own soul and connection with others. And a lot of those practices are things like being out in nature, doing art, journaling, going for a run, sitting at the beach, having a quiet cup of coffee. Um, so this is kind of you know, it's a bit of our culture here at table. So I, I'll be a bit biased as I talk about it, uh, I'll be honest. Um, but I do see the strength of it in the sense that it allows the diversity of spiritual experiences, the diversity of young people from different backgrounds to be able to to participate in it. Um, but the weakness is that some people perceive it as, as a bit dull, um, that it is hard to measure, it's hard to to make happen. Um, some people might perceive it as, well, they're not learning about 
um, the tenets of Christianity. So therefore it kind of isn't leading people down the wrong path. So there, there's kind of, a, I'm trying to be a bit balanced here. There's a bit of the strengths and the weaknesses. The third model that Canales talked about was the servant leadership model. And in this model, it kind of follows the example of Christ where, where Jesus, he said, um, uh, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And um, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing terribly here, but I've been called to be a servant. Um, not a, you know, so Jesus's whole philosophy of life was to actually to lay his life down for others and to put himself last. So the servant leadership model follows that example in ministry, um, where it it seeks to approach young people um, who are the subordinates in quotation marks, but putting them first, um, putting those who are often the lowest in society first. Um, and the strength of that is that it um, accepts and empathizes with people. It doesn't it doesn't reject or judge. Um, the, the weakness is it could take years to perfect this kind of model of what does it actually look like to serve young people um, as, as a whole model of ministry, not as, not as just a, a nice thing you do as well, but that's the whole, the whole thing. It's, it's not one part. It's the whole thing is to serve young people. Uh, the fourth model um, is based on liberation theology um, so in my second podcast with uh, James Harris, he mentioned um, one notable liberation theologist, Gustav Gutierrez. Um, and it's all about emancipation. So it's all about um, trying to undo all forms of oppression. So Canales lists some of these, uh, sexism, heterosexism, homophobia, racism, classism, cultural and religious discrimination. So it's, it's all about any form of, of, of oppression, of trying to undo that um, and trying to, to liberate people. As it says, liberation, so it's trying to liberate people. So um, this model is based on um, the fact that Jesus always sat with the lowest of society and um, he wasn't interested in the people with power. The weakness is that people tend to see it as revolutionary and radical and um, are a bit uncomfortable with it. Um, and how do you do this? Um, does this turn ministry into um, a social change method? Does it mean that you, 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 all you do is, um, you know, not riot, what's the word, um, protest and um, things like that? It's a, it's a hard ministry to do and um, people sometimes feel uncomfortable with it because it's a little too radical. The fifth model that Canales talks about is biblical, the, sorry, the biblical hermeneutic model. Um, I think that this is probably the most common model that I've seen in um, churches that, um, that I've kind of interacted with. Um, particularly of my tradition that I grew up in, of the Baptist tradition. Um, the point of this model is to teach young people the Bible and teach how the Bible, you know, the meaning, the, the context, um, how it is appropriate to their lives and how it can be applied to their lives. So it's about understanding and then application. 
Um, so there's its strength is that it can help people to understand and apply the Bible. But the weakness is what about those young people who don't see the Bible as an authority? Um, what about those people who are young youth leaders and youth pastors who are in ministry with young people who don't have formal theological training? Um, what about the fact that there are many interpretations of um, of the Bible on, on a lot of issues? So how do we navigate those? The sixth model is called the liturgical initiation model. Uh, this is more relevant for the liturgical traditions, such as um, Catholic churches, Lutheran churches, some Anglican churches, and it's kind of what some children go through as um, uh, confirmation, where they learn the liturgy and the rites of the church, um, and they they learn how to participate in a church service. Um, and so there's, the strengths are, well, it helps young people participate, but the weakness is that it's only focused on a small number of denominations. It's not friendly to all denominations um, it's not friendly to people who who um, may not fit with those traditions. The seventh model is the social justice model. Now, this is very similar to the liberation model, which I mentioned. Um, but instead of uh, the ministry itself being about emancipation, it's about empowering young people to be passionate about social justice issues so that they do things about social justice issues. So there is a bit of liberation in it because it looks at um, challenging the structures of society that disadvantage some people, um, but it's more about empowering young people to to advocate for change and um, advocate for those who are disempowered. Um, so you know the strength is that it it empowers young people, um, that it nurtures consciousness. Um, it nurtures, you know, the, um, the 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 justice heart of God, um, but the weakness is how do, how do you do that week to week, and how do you how do you motivate young people to engage in that? And then the last one, uh, the the sorry, it's eight models, not nine. My bad. The eighth model of um, that Canales talked about was the Christian discipleship model, which is very similar to the biblical hermeneutic model. Um, and it's all about um, focusing on the spiritual growth of the young person, um, both their, their relationship with other people, their relationship with God, their relationship with others. Um, and um, this is quite a common one as well. Um, it focuses more on Christian living rather than on doctrine and um, dogma. Um, but it... Um, it's a hard one to get the right balance of, um, well, what do you focus on? What what aspects of a young person's life do you focus on? What aspects of Christian living do you focus on? Even some of those things are contentious. Like how do you navigate um, the parts of, um, of, you know, inverted commas Christian living that people disagree on? So there's the eight models. Now, the question is, as, as I look at those, well, which ones are better for the misfits? Which ones are, are better for youth ministries? 
And again, it boils down to, well, who is the youth ministry for? I had a good chat with my sister about this on the weekend, and we were talking about, well, what is church for? Um, and, um, well, we we kind of talked about, well, is, is church for people who, um, who aren't Christians, or is, is church for Christians so that they can learn to um, live as good Christians in the world? What is its purpose? And then youth ministry, you know, it hasn't always been a thing. It hasn't been around forever. Youth ministry in reality has only been around for, what, 70 years maybe? It's not a long time in the in the grand scheme of Christianity. Um, so if, if we're not sure about what is the purpose of the church, then how do we know what the, the purpose of youth ministry is? Is the purpose of youth ministry to train up young Christians so that so that young people who come from Christian families will continue to be Christians? Is it about reaching people who have no Christian upbringing, who haven't come from a Christian family, so they learn about what Christianity is about and hopefully adopt um, Christianity and become a follower of Jesus? Um, Is it about um, creating a safe space for young people? Is it about young people? Um, Is it about the church? These are all really hard questions. And I mean, I've got my opinions and I've got my answers that I think. But even as I think of them, I recognize that they're opinions and that for each person, their answer to that question is going to change which model of youth ministry they're going to follow and also what impact that's going to have on young people. Because if we're focusing on the Christian kids making sure they... (laughs) stay Christians and stay engaged with the church, we're probably going to neglect the the young people who who have never heard of the church and have no idea what Jesus is about. And if we focus all our attention on those young people, the young people who have no experience of the church, who don't know what Jesus is about, then we might neglect the young people who, um, who yeah, who have come from a Christian background, they'll never be able to go deeper in their faith or or um, be able to, whatever it is your goal is. Um, and I'm sure there's a third option um, that, you know, of a different group entirely. Um, so, yeah, what, 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 do, what do we say? What is the answer? I had to take a bit of a pause in the recording because I sensed that I was going to get lost in that question. Um, So I stepped away for a second to go get a drink of water and think some more. And I think what I realized as I went to the tap to fill up my glass is even in creating that distinction of are we for the Christian kids or are we for the non-Christian kids, which one's our focus? We have to be really careful of this in versus out attitude. Um, It's something I was talking about with a a friend of mine, uh, one of my colleagues actually, about sometimes when we get so caught up in doctrine and, um, um, yeah, dogma, what we're really asking is, well, who's in and who's out? We were discussing, you know, the issue of homosexuality in the church and, is there such a thing as a queer Christian and that kind of thing? And that's a whole other discussion for another time. Um, 
But I really liked his response, and his response was that he didn't want to identify with with either approach of affirming or non-affirming because both kind of have an in versus out approach. Both had this attitude of, well, who's who's inside the inner circle of Christianity and who's outside of it? And I I don't know. I just part of me can't can't help but think that that's not the way that God sees his creation. Um, I can't help but think that he created everyone and therefore I don't know if he's all about who's in and who's out. Um, you know, some people might have an issue with, with that um, because it it borders on this universalist kind of um, attitude towards Christianity or towards God and towards faith that is a little bit of a can of worms. Um, I I still can't help but think that that's not the way that we need to approach things. You know, Jesus criticized a group of people called the Pharisees um, who were so fixated on the, the, the letter of the law. They were so fixated on making sure that um, they remained so pure and that only only the righteous people could be part of the temple as it was before. Um, so, yeah, he, he criticised them because they were so focused on, on making sure people followed the letter of the law that the burden was unbearable and their hearts were empty and um, they didn't really care about God. They just cared about making sure um, it was perfect and it meant that the people who weren't perfect could never measure up and they were all considered out. Um, and yet Jesus, he went to these people who were on the out. He he didn't go to the, the Pharisees who were the perfectly righteous or so they thought people. Um, and so that's why I guess it's, I think it's a danger, it's a dangerous way of thinking when we try to say, well, is youth ministry about the, the Christian kids or the non-Christian kids? Well, God is about both. God is about people who know him and he's about people who don't know him. Um, he loves them equally. You know, there's um, a verse, I forgot where it's come from, but it says that, you know, he makes the sun shine on both and he makes the rain fall on both. Um, so, so, and that's in the context of a farming society where, you know, in order to live, they needed the sun, they needed the rain in order to survive. And so to say that God sends the sunshine and the rain onto those who, who know him and those who don't says that he loves them both equally. Um, he loves us whether we know him or not. Um, so how do we do that in youth ministry with all these models? How do we demonstrate that that God loves every single young person equally, whether they know him, whether they don't, whether they they agree with the church's doctrine or whether they don't, whether they fit the mold or whether they don't. So going back to the question of which model do I think follows a really, you know, a, a model of ministry that is for the misfits? Uh, well, I think it's kind of somewhere in between a lot of them. I really like the spiritual um, awareness model because it helps people to find a sense of sense of what is sacred um, in their lives. 
And I think that, you know, as I mentioned before, when I was describing the um, uh, Exploring Practices for Spiritual Formation subject that we do at table, um, I believe that God meets us in many different ways and not just in reading the Bible or in prayer or in worship or even sometimes I, I sometimes will think that maybe he doesn't always meet us in church. Um, so I really like this, this spiritual awareness model because it, um, it starts with where is the young person already at? Um, it allows us to see that, well, God is already at work in them and we're kind of meeting them where they're at and joining God in what he's already doing in that person's life. Maybe they already have a sense of um, a something greater than themselves, but they're not sure what that is. And maybe we can have a conversation with them and find some things that we agree with and um, help them to explore that more. Um, I like that it means that we journey with them. We, we draw out what is already within them, um, believing that God can... God is more powerful than us and he doesn't need our special words that he already speaks to people. And I really like the liberation model. I know that this is going to be controversial for some of my listeners, but caring about the young people who are oppressed, I think is caring about the misfits because there are young people who, well, young people in general are excluded from society in so many ways. They can't vote, they can't drive till they're a certain age, they can't live in, um, are, sorry, they can't own their own home until they're a certain age. Um, so it creates this environment where young people who don't have a good family are, well, even that's a judgmental term, I shouldn't say it that way, young people who don't have um, a stable family um, are set up for failure. And um, I think of people groups in society who are oppressed, certain race groups who, um, who experience racism on a daily basis, um, Aboriginal young people. Um, I could go into detail about them all, but then I might be um, taking away from future episodes. Um, so I like the idea of also um, youth ministry being about um, helping young people experience freedom from oppression, freedom from um, the things that are really burdening them and advocating for them and helping them and um, not just thinking only about um, making sure they adopt the tenets of the Christian faith, but actually understanding their whole lives and, um, yeah, standing with them in what they're struggling with. Um I also do like the Christian discipleship model because I think that um, youth ministry, it is important that what's, what is distinguishing about youth ministry is our faith in Jesus. So um, being able to pass that on to young people, but in a way that isn't forceful or imposing or um, makes them feel like they just have to be part of, um, they have to agree and have to believe. But um, so what I'm really talking about is, again, the spiritual awareness model. Because in the spiritual awareness model, um, you can journey with people and you can share your your experience of God, experience of Jesus 
in a way that doesn't make the person feel like they have to adopt it. It makes it a much safer space. Anyway, that's my opinion. That's my perspective on um, what is the, the most appropriate model for the misfits. I'd be really interested to hear what you think. Uh, what do you think is the most appropriate of the eight models I mentioned or something else entirely of which way of doing ministry is more important and is more effective for the misfits? I'm also curious to, to know what do you think is the purpose of youth ministry? So I look forward to hearing your feedback. And until next time, stay misfit. Thanks for listening to the Youth Ministry Misfits podcast. If you want to continue the conversation, join our Facebook group. It's called Youth Ministry Misfits. Here we will post more information, more research, and we will also post about future in-person gatherings. If you'd like to know more about training for your youth ministry, send me an email at tmullen at tabor.edu.au. That's T-M-U-L-L-E-N. If you're interested to know even more, why don't you consider studying with us at Tabor? We offer youth work, counselling, creative writing, ministry, and more. Check us out at tabor.edu.au. Until next time, stay misfit.